ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome back to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. My name is Jake, and we're into NFL coverage. We are but days away from the first actual meaningful game, and when I talk about we, I'm talking about myself and the one and only Minnesota Jack, who has returned from his great voyage up north. How are you, Jacko? I am very well, very excited to be back, you know, fresh eyes, you know, I'm ready to to look forward to this season and it's come at a perfect time because I've just, when I started to be falling out of love with football related things, something maybe possibly relating to another team that I follow and I was like, oh, I can't, sports is too much, I can't handle the heartbreak, I can't do it and then I'm reminded, oh yes, the wonderful NFL season is upon us. So my the the fire within me has reignited, and I am I am yeah very excited to get stuck into it. That's that's good news. That is that is good news. I I think you know <laughs> sport sport has that way of just when you think you can't have your heart broken again, you decide yes, mm. actually I can. I will go into I'll embark on this journey where only thirty one teams come out happy. Uh, so only th- only one of thirty two teams comes out happy at the end. Mm. So, and I, I mean, it would be really disappointing if literally in this podcast as we're recording, I go, you know what, Jake? Actually, I've fallen out of love with sports. I'm not <laughs> going to come on and join you on the NFL season. So I, just reassuring you, I'm all good to go. Can we have it on the record? Are you now ready to have your heart broken again in 2022? You ready? Yes. Excellent. So uh, absolutely. I. I've just, I feel like, I think that's the, if if we slightly transition from the the absurd and the hilarities and into the serious, I, I think that is why we love sports is that there is that risk of the heartbreak, you know, and in the moment it feels so much and it does affect you in the way that sports does, but that's kind of what you sign up for because every now and then, whether it's a Super Bowl, whether it's a grand final, whether it's a championship, whatever it is, that it draws you back in going maybe this time. And I think that the stories of both the yeah, the sad stories, but also the positive stories, it's all the one thing. You can't have one without the other. You know, if you if you knew that if you knew the results, sports wouldn't be fun. You know, it's fun because we don't know what's gonna happen. Um, and that's what that's what makes the next few days really exciting because We've got this whole season of NFL ahead, um, and we don't know exactly how it's going to shake out. Today's episode, how it's going to pan out for the listener, we're going to do a little uh, play, a little game that I've invented called "Too High, Too Low," uh, where you and I will each offer something that the NFL community, as a whole, as a congregation, um, the Church of Football, is too high on, and something that they're far too low on. So we're going to do that off the top. That's going to be the first part of the show. And then the second part is going to be our preview thoughts on the Buffalo Bills versus the LA Rams to kick start the NFL season in Thursday night football. So are you ready to get it started with a little too high, too low? Mm, couldn't be more ready. Let's go. Let's do it. I need to build a sound drop for too high, too low. Too damn high. 
Um, <laughs> so I'll I'll uh, I will be a, a gracious host and kick us off here. Okay, so I will I will mm. offer us something that I think that the NFL community is too high on, and my too high. And wait for it. And, I, and this is, I, I want to do it this way where we go too high and then too low because we want to end on a positive. I want to build mm-hmm. someone up. Um, brace yourselves because I think that the NFL community is too damn high on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2022. Um, this isn't a Tom Brady, you know, is d- off doing the masked singer or Tom Brady is off getting a divorce from Giselle or Tom Brady, you know, had to go off and do some undercover mission for the US government. This isn't like a Tom Brady conspiracy thing. This is saying that I think the Bucks can still win this division. They're still in that mix. I think the Bucks theoretically can still win the Super Bowl. But this idea that we should just pencil in, you know, Brady and the Bucks for another trip to a Lombardi trophy is to me a little sort of blase. Um, I think you have to look at things like their offensive line. Center Ryan Jensen is on injured reserve, out for the season. Guard Aaron Stinney, injured reserve. Offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs, questionable for week one. Nick Leverett, offensive guard, questionable week one. Offensive tackle Robert Hainsey, questionable week one. Now, Jensen, you know, was the general on that line. He was the dude, you know, who was helping, you know, get everyone in position, the right protections, all that sort of stuff. And I know Brady does a lot of that, but there's a lot of trust to be built between quarterback and center. So that's something he's not going to have. He's not going to have old reliable there. Another massive thing, Rob Gronkowski is no longer there. He's retired. Gronkowski caught 100 balls on 166 targets for just under 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns in Tampa in his two seasons. His 802 yards last year were the fifth most of his 11-year career. Also note... There is no Bruce Arians coaching. What happens for this team when Tom Brady, you know, drives his guys a little too mercilessly and it's Todd Bowles uh, who is the coach and not cool Uncle Arians, um, you know, who, who is going to be able to sort of play buffer between Brady and the team and be the guy who can say, you know what, you know, those interceptions, that was on Tom. There's a bunch of other reasons we can get into, including how I think the division can get stronger this year. I think people are too high on the Bucks. What say you, Jacko? I think you're definitely onto something. I think there's a lot of, as there is in this stage of the seasons, a lot of if this, you know, but that, like a, a lot of predictions about how things might shake up. They could go either way, like the coaching's a big one. It could absolutely flip because you've got a new coach and you just can't produce what Arians was able to produce. But also there's the flip of sometimes you get a new coach and it reinvigorates that team and they find a new voice and it freshens things up. So you don't know. Um, I think the offensive line, I think that's probably the most reliable thing that you mentioned that that offensive line is really going to struggle. And therefore Brady's really going to struggle. And we know throughout his career, that's, that is when he's at his most vulnerable is when he doesn't have that offensive line that can protect him. You know, a lack of weapons, I don't think has really been 
an issue for Brady maybe his last year in New England. Mm. Um, but beyond that, he's never been the kind of quarterback that you look at and go, like any at any point, even when he started throughout his career and gone, well, the issue is he doesn't have guys to throw to. Right. Even when he doesn't have guys to throw to, he still manages to get something. His issue is being the non-athletic quarterback that he is, not having a good offensive line is really going to be an issue for him. So they could very easily, kind of like you said, up at the top, they could still go to the Super Bowl. They could still do another Tom Brady thing and he goes out there and proves everyone wrong. But this might be one of the first times in a long time for Brady where he comes into a season with a lot of doubts, maybe not on him himself, but his team and what he's going to be able to to produce. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of doubts around Tampa Bay this time around. It, and it's pressure up the middle specifically, you know, that that I think makes the biggest impact and what's more central than the center, you know, mm. um, like I think that's a big deal for Brady not to have that guy there in front of him. I, I and it, as I said, it's not me saying, oh, he's in a gradual decline. This guy is elite, and I think he's going to remain elite until the day he retires um, in 2065. But, like, I, I think there's there's just question marks. And, like, another little note when I was uh, sort of researching this um, was the fact that Brady against the Saints in Tampa, he's, four, he, he's one and four. Now, they did beat the Saints in the playoffs in 2020. So that's 0-4 in division. And that's with pop gun arm Drew Brees in 2020. And then Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. The Saints beat the Bucks 9-0 in Tampa last season. Um, I think the Panthers can be improved. If Baker Mayfield, you know, can get back to, say, 2020 Baker Mayfield play, and I don't think... There's any reason he can't, unless like the the injury is the, is the question because I think that impacted him greatly. I think he Mayfield is instantly the best quarterback that Matt Rule has had on his roster, and, and the Panthers have been feisty. I don't think the Falcons are going to get near them, but I think that Saints team is still an issue, and they have been already, and they might be improved if Jameis is healthy. Um. But but I just think too it's it's it is good to remember um, last year in that playoff loss for the Bucks they were down twenty seven to six in the third quarter like deep in the third quarter when Cooper Cup fumbled and allowed the Bucks to get a quick touchdown Cam Akers fumbled with two and a half minutes left in the fourth and that allowed them to get another short touchdown drive. The Bucks hadn't moved the ball very well at all, and the Rams gave them multiple opportunities to climb back into the game. At 27-6 down, deep in the third, if there's no fumbles there, that Bucks season ending is remembered very, very differently. Um, I want to pivot to you now, though. Who, Who's too high? What, what are we too high on here, Jack? Yeah, so I, I, we touched on this. Um, in one of our divisional previews. Um, but I think that it is worth mentioning again because I'm still, at this point, a few days out from the season starting, I'm still not seeing people catching onto this. Mm. And this is the Baltimore Ravens. Interesting. I'm still not seeing anyone calling this this collapse that I really do feel like is, is coming on the way. You know, you, all you have to do is look at their wide receiver 
right wide receiver depth chart and you're like, okay, Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, like are these the guys that Lamar Jackson is going to be throwing to? Like the lack of offensive weapons is still an issue. You could even argue that it's worse now that um, Marquise Brown mm. has left. Like he was kind of, even if he wasn't, um, wouldn't be a number one receiver in a lot of teams, he at least had uh, chemistry with Lamar and had been around him for a while. That that guy is no longer there. So you could even argue that that wide receiver room is even weaker. And when it comes to the running game, which is what the Ravens are kind of known for, that running back room is still banged up. J.K. Dobbins is still questionable for round one. Um, and even if he does make it and starts in week one, who knows if that injury is still going to have an impact for the rest of the season. Just because you return, he doesn't mean you're going to beat 100%. Gus Edwards is still at least a month out, if not more. Like that, that For a team that relies on the run game so much, you want stability there. And the fact that they don't have stability and there's so many doubts around that means that both the passing game and the running game is going to be really inconsistent and not going to be powerful enough in my in my eyes to to do anything really major. To me, it just mm-hmm. seems like the reputation of Lamar and and Harbour are really the only things keeping this team, you know, in the conversation of winning the division or, you know, maybe getting a wild card spot. So when you look at a lot of teams and the the media hype around them, it's all to do with their weapons. No matter who you turn to, everyone's talking about the reason why this team's going to be great is because of their weapons. It's because of what they can do on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't see why those same commentators and media reporters and and you know people on Twitter, whoever it is, aren't applying the same kind of logic when it comes to the Ravens. And they're on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. So I, I really, not only do I think that people are placing them too highly, I really don't think they're going to put that many wins together. And I don't care if someone pulls this clip and releases it at the end of the regular season and they're you <laughs> I know, hope someone does. 11 and 11 wins. And if they do, then great. Cause it means that Lamar Jackson's, you know, back to his best. And when he's at his best, he's great for football. So um, I don't have anything against any team except for the Green Bay Packers. So if, people, if teams are great, <laughs> then that's great for football. But I really think that they're too high. Oh, I, I totally agree with you here. I've heard so many people on different podcasts I listen to, you know, NFL Network, people going, oh, no, pencil the Ravens in. Ravens are taking this division. It was a down year because Lamar was injured. Here, here let, Let's have a look, okay? Now, I'm not saying people can't improve, but right now we're heading into a season where Rashad Bateman, the presumed number one wide receiver. Now, I understand that, you know, um, Mark Andrews does a lot of the pass catching uh, in this offense. So he theoretically maybe is their wide receiver number one. But, you know, Rashad Bateman, 12 games, 46 receptions, 515 yards, one touchdown. Um, Devin Duvernay, this is career, career for Devin Duvernay. He's played in 32 games, 53 catches, 473 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I, I, I'm with you. And the, the thing that I feel like about this is that you can have a great run game and, and you can have a dynamic weapon like Lamar. And I think you can be competitive in the AFC North. Um, but my, my question is, and this isn't, see, sometimes people have, 
I think, take the criticism of Baltimore's passing attack as, oh, you're a Lamar hater. I'm actually not. I think he's actually a, a capable enough passer. My question is, does he have the wide receiver talent to help him out? You know, like like Matthew Stafford, look what happened for Matthew Stafford when you put him in an offense where he had wide, talented wide receivers who could help him. You, you know, like Lamar Jackson isn't 2021 Ben Roethlisberger. He has a strong enough arm. He can make the throws off platform. He can run around and make stuff happen. But can these guys get open for him? in crucial moments, you know, in crunch games at playoff time, if they get into playoffs, I'm with you, man. I think we're way too high on the Ravens as, as an NFL community. Um, sh shall, shall I launch into a too low? Let's do it. Let's get some positivity in the air. All right. <laughs> we've, we've cranked into a couple of teams that we say have just been perilously yeah. overrated. Well, let me take you to a team that I think is underrated. This is a team that everyone is actually remarkably too low on, and I include myself in that camp. I have been too low all off-season on the Kansas City Chiefs. Everyone is worried about Tyreek Hill leaving, right? Oh, God, what's that offense going to look like without Tyreek Hill, you know, Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill's numbers had been slowly going down. He was becoming... Um, teams were selling out more and more to cover Tyreek Hill. They were trying to make, you know, Patrick Mahomes play more patiently and to a degree it worked, right? Now, it's interesting to me that there's a lot of um, sort of positive press around Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'd say it's at least 50-50 that people are saying, I think Rodgers is going to be fine without Devontae Adams. You know, I, I think Rodgers is going to be just fine. Um, and, and to a degree, I consider myself in that camp. But Rogers is going to be throwing like Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, um, uh, the, the guy who he fought to get back into the team, I can't remember, Randall Cobb. Um, okay, well, what's Patrick Mahomes' drop-off in receiver talent? Well, his drop-off is Mikol Hardman, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Sky Moore. Oh, and... His number one receiver, Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, he also has Andy Reid, one of, if not the best, offensive minds in the game over a long period of time. This guy isn't just a flash in the pan. He has schemed up offense wherever he has been. And Mahomes is one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league. You know, everyone sort of seems to remember the Chiefs last year of like, oh, they had a bit of an off year, you know, got bundled out in the AFC Championship game you know, one game short of the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, oh, the Chiefs had a bit of an off year. They went 12-5 and five and won their division. Patrick Mahomes, bit of an off year, threw 37 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Um, I think this is a dangerous position that I think the Kansas City Chiefs will be so fueled up on this offseason where everyone's going, oh, the Chiefs are cooked, including me. I think I ranked them third in our division previews. What have, you know the Raiders and Chargers done the last few years. The Chargers might be a team we're too high on yet. They were talented last year and went nine and eight or whatever it was and missed the playoffs. Like, I think we're far too low on the Chiefs, man. Hmm. Well, this is one of those situations where I, I have I have an opinion on something and then 
you start speaking your magical words in the magical <laughs> way that you do. And I start, going, oh, maybe, uh, maybe some, maybe he's onto something. The old, the old Jacob. So I, I definitely think I would agree with the statement that the NFL community is too low on them. I think it's a classic media thing where they smell blood in the water and then they go all out on it and say, Oh, it's, it's all over. You know, um, they're going to have an absolute collapse. They're going to fall over. They're not going to be competitive. All of the various sort of clickbait. Did we learn nothing uh, with headlines. the Patriots? Yeah. <laughs> they are, they're equivalent to the Patriots in this situation. And what I will say though, because I agree with a lot of what you've, you've said, um, mm. especially when you put it that way of, we all thought they had an off year and they did have an off year to their own standards. But you know, there are a lot of teams in this league that would love to have an off year like the Chiefs did last year. Yeah. Um, so, and there are a lot of quarterbacks that would that would that would kill to have a season like Mahomes off season, um, off year season. So, mm. what I will say though is that I think what doesn't quite work in their favor, um, and you kind of touched on it, is their division. Is this is the first year in a while where the Chiefs all of a sudden aren't kind of the guaranteed winners of that division. And like you said, could possibly even be third. You know, I don't know what to make of the Broncos. Like there's a lot of hype around them because of Russell Wilson and, and what they're going to kind of put together there. But I don't know if I exactly buy it, but I just don't know. Broncos aren't a team that I really watched very closely last year or the year before. So I don't really know what they've looked like. And I don't know if Russell Wilson's going to add um, he's going to add a lot, sorry, but I don't know if that's going to change very much about their team, but they very well could go ahead and win that division. Chargers, we could be too high on, but they just seem to be on a trajectory that I really like. Um, and then the Raiders, I'm, I think the Raiders are going to do really, really well. I think they're, I think they're the team that the Broncos kind of want to be where they're, they're about there. They just need an extra weapon or two, and all of a sudden they're going to burst. Um, and the Broncos might be that, but I think the Raiders are that team. I think with the addition of Devontae Adams, I think they're going to absolutely rip this competition apart. Um, so I think that's probably what's not working so much in the Chiefs' favor is that they might actually be okay. They might actually do well because of everything you've said, but won't win the division and will have to try and win in the playoffs via a wildcard spot, which they're probably not as familiar with as an organization. Uh, I'm really high on the Raiders, right? I think we both felt like that they mm. would be, I think I had them winning. Did you have them winning or, or finishing second? I think I, I did have them winning. I so, think I had them winning, yeah. But I'll, I'll just, I'll just put this to you, right? And this is, again, just in me researching this and going back to what I was talking about in our division previews, the Raiders versus the Chiefs last season, the Chiefs outscored them 89 to 23 mm. <laughs> in two games. So my big question is, how much impact do we think Devontae Adams makes on their defense? Because the Chiefs... Well, if he, if he plays corner, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'm fascinated to see because I, in my head, 
you know, I've had, oh, the Raiders are really coming, you know, for this title this year, and they may well be. But they got nowhere. They didn't, weren't even in the same state as the Chiefs, let alone playing on the same ballpark, the same postcode. Like, they got slaughtered twice by yeah. Kansas City. So I'm fascinated to see. If, if the Raiders do make that leap, it's going to be fun to watch. But this I division, still think man, it's just going to yeah. be so fun to watch all season. We're too low on the Chiefs, though, regardless of, of where. So, so what about you? Take us to a spot that we're too low on. Yeah, so I, I've got a team here that when I say them, a lot of people are going to go too low for how they finished the season. But yeah. I am indeed saying that we are saying that they're too low as an <laughs> NFL community. And that is San Francisco 49ers. I really think people don't really I have agree. them on the radar. I know they got to the conference championship game. I know mm. they went deep into the playoffs. But I think ever since there's been this whole Trey Lance, Jimmy G kind of back and forth, you know, Shanahan's been pretty open about, oh, you know, Trey Lance, he's inconsistent. He's a bit raw day to day. Um, and, you know, he's kind of looked a bit inconsistent in preseason. And there's been all of this drama around the QB room. And I think that's distracted a lot of people um, from the fact that they've got a mostly unchanged roster from this for this team that went deep into the playoffs. In fact, you could even argue that even the quarterback room hasn't changed because Jimmy G is still there. <laughs> He's the guy that took you to the conference championship game. He's technically still there. I think Trey Lance can play, right? We know he can play ball. We've seen it in mm. college. And I think we've seen moments in the preseason where we've gone like, oh, this guy could actually um, do something. And, you know, he's the inherent in being inconsistent implies that there is there are some highs to work with. Yeah. So yes. even if he's been inconsistent in camp, it still shows that he has something. And so we know that. I think what helps with that is that not only do they have a pretty favorable uh, schedule overall, in fact, if I kind of look at their first half, I reckon they could be six and two by the bye. Um, but that the first two games, um, I think are against, I know they play the Seahawks and I forget who they open with, but I know they've got two pretty easy games to start with. And if Trey Lance ends up being the starter, as it seems like he will be, it's going to be a, a couple games there for him to kind of get into the rhythm of what it's like to be a starting quarterback and to maybe work out some issues that he's still got. Um, you know, I think Shanahan was quoted as saying, oh, I wish we had a bit more practice time with Trey Lance. Well, maybe you kind of get that with two sort of easier games to to start with. But if it doesn't work, if you get into a month or, you know, a month and a half or you get to the bye, whenever the point is, Trey Lance isn't really working out, your backup is the guy that took you deep into the playoffs. And you can criticize Jimmy G as much as you want and say that he's not that talented of a quarterback and all of that. But ultimately, he is a winner. He wins football games. Even when you don't think he's going to do it, he does it. He wins football games. He's a reliable quarterback. And he not only, not only does he win games, but he wins playoff games. So if Trey Lance doesn't work out, if it's like, okay, he needs another year to develop, you're not like going, oh, we've got some second string guy who we don't really know about. Maybe he's a rookie Maybe he's some washed up veteran who's like 32. You've got a guy that you can rely on. And when you add to that, that they're running back weapons. I don't know if they, I don't know if the league has a better one, two punch at running back. 
I'm, I'm sure you can make arguments and there would be good arguments here and there, but you could absolutely make an argument that they have the best one-two punch with um, Debo Samuel and um, Elijah Mitchell. And, you know, I, I don't know exactly what kind of balance of receiver and running back we're going to get with Debo Samuel, but it's still on the cards. Um, yeah, I, I think that for a team that got to the conference championship, I still think that we're too low on them. I think that I really do think they're going to be the best team in that division. Um, I think they could do really, really well. And people are kind of just going, well, that quarterback room, can Trey Lance play? You know, it, it, all, all mm. the dialogues around that. And I feel like people aren't really focusing on on the roster and the coaching on a whole. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm pretty sure I had the 49ers winning uh, my NFC West predictions. I think they are one of the best put together rosters in all of football. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, both like excellent wide receivers. I think they'll, you know, the run game got stymied in the playoffs by the Rams. They only rushed for, I think, 50 yards on 20 carries or something like that in that playoff game. If they had been able to run the ball on the Rams, which, you know, that's a hard thing to do. They're up 17 to 7 going into the final quarter. The Rams had only scored in one of the three quarters up to the last and they scored 13 unanswered in the final one. And I think a lot of heat goes on Jimmy G for not being able to take that drive down the field. He threw an interception to end the game. I think he was about 16 of 31 on the night. I don't think Trey Lance can be as consistent this year as Jimmy G, but I think Trey Lance can be a, a, a match winner. Um, I don't think mm. you you put Trey Lance in to manage games for you. I think you put Trey Lance in to win games for you, to to go and turn those games that you might otherwise lose. You know, the hopeless situation where you're like, far out, it's third and 23, and we don't know what to do. The Super Bowl losing situation. The Patrick mm. Mahomes throw to Tyreek Hill, um, if that didn't stick in, you know, the 49ers front office staff's minds as... We don't have that guy who can do that. In my opinion, now they do. They do have that guy who on third and 20-odd, down you know, a field goal in the fourth quarter, can make magic happen for them. Um, and that's scary to me. And there's going to be some bumps along the way for Lance as he learns. He only played, you know, I think less than 20 games in college. He, he was not an experienced college starter, but he played in an offense in North Dakota State that asks QBs to do a lot more um, than quarterbacks in other offenses. I mean, that's where Carson Wentz came out of. And I know we Carson Wentz has turned into a bit of a punchline. Carson Wentz was a really good quarterback in 2017 before he was, you know, horrifically, you know, had his season ended with that knee injury. Um, I think there's a lot, a lot to like about Lance. And he's a game winner, not just a competent game manager. And if, if things, you know, develop as they'll be hoping they develop for him, his team can go a long way. I agree. I think we're we're too low, even you know though that they made the conference championship game last season. <laughs> um, I really like that, Jack. Let's definitely play that game again. That was fun. Too high. Yeah, too low. interesting that we the two both too low that uh, teams we picked both <laughs> made the conference championship game. I feel like that's a bit of funny irony. People get fatigue, I think. I think that's a, that's a big part of it. We, we get sick of seeing the same teams. We're like, oh, I just want to see someone different win it. Um, 
you know, I, I, I do like the 49ers. I love watching them play football. Like anytime I get the chance to watch them during a season, they're on my second screen. Even if, you know, if the Steelers are on, they're on my second screen. If the Steelers aren't on, the 49ers often end up as my primary screen viewing because they just play hard-nosed, um, aggressive, punch-you-in-the-face football. And I love that. And I think and there's Trey always there's so always a bit of... Um, I always find with the 49ers games, there's always a coaching element as well that you watch for fun. Like, mm. just trying to see what's Shanahan going to do to get out of this problem what's he gonna do to like yeah i think beyond just who's on the field i i don't know if you're the same but i like to watch the 49ers to just see what kind of coaching edge shanahan tries to find on his on his opponents so yeah yeah they, they might not be the the hollywood fun of watching mm. football in terms of high scoring and 500 yards passing or whatever but mm. i i feel if you're a certain type of football fan um, who likes the more like traditionally football stuff? Yeah, the forty nine is kind of fit that mold. Oh yes, we're, we're in a league of our own here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, I totally agree. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think this team can be really fun to watch. And um, yeah, watch out. Trey Lance to me has a lot of Josh Allen um, abilities there. Now, it's more volatile chemistry to get one of those guys to work in the NFL, but let's see, let's see how he goes because you'd rather something... take that. You'd, you'd much oh. rather have a guy come in where you're like, okay, maybe his issue is that he's too inconsistent. I think you'd much rather take and try and mold that. Right. Mm. Then take a guy in who's like, you know, he had pretty consistent years in college and he's a good game manager and we feel like he's coachable, you know, mm. but just doesn't, take that next step i feel like teams overall when they're drafting quarterbacks nowadays they they are looking for generational talent and sometimes mm. you've got to grab a guy who's got a bit of a risk attached like like mahomes when he was drafted was not like yeah. oh he's going to be the best <laughs> quarterback going around there was still a lot of unknown around him and then you could argue he's the best quarterback in the league um so yeah trey lance well, will definitely be a watch through the season you know, and, and and think back to the guy who won the Super Bowl in the end. You know, Matthew Stafford, think about the throw he made after Tampa Bay got even in the championship game. Mm. You know, I don't think Jimmy G makes that throw that Stafford made. The deep ball to Cooper Cup that set up the field goal. You know, that it, it was it was a bomb down the field to set up Cup. Um and from there, they won the game. It, it was like the, the the fucking ballsy throw. It was, hey, we need the big play and we need it now. And he made it. And look at the guy on the other sideline in the Super Bowl, Burrow, who just delivered, you know, insane throws all, you know, all season. You need that guy. Brady does it, you know. Absolutely. So I, I, I think... The days of being able to win Super Bowls with a mediocre quarterback. Foles, Nick Foles in the Super Bowl, you know, you know, I don't think Nick Foles is a great quarterback, but when Nick Foles is in that zone, that rare 5% of occasions where Nick Foles is in the zone, he is that dude who makes those throws. It's just that he only mm. accesses it so infrequently. 
you know, I think his ceiling is is quite elite, but he he only sees that ceiling, you know, a few times a year. And Philly just caught that gold dust um, in twenty seventeen. He has a Let's... very specific. Uh, just quickly on Nick Foles, yeah, I think yeah. he has a very specific um, a specific trigger that gets him into that zone. Mm. <laughs> he has to take over a quarterback whose name is Carson Wentz when he gets injured halfway through the season. <laughs> if they right. can recreate that, maybe in Washington, they go get that's, Nick Foles and they, that's what they should somehow have done. Carson Wentz has a uh, oh, unbelievable injury. How did this happen? Yeah. Oh, oh God. what a coincidence! Nick Foles comes in. <laughs> that that has to be the plan for Washington. Nick Foles and the Washington Commies. Um, all right, let's let's go. <laughs> And deliver, let's do 10, 15 minutes here. 15 minutes. I know we're, we're, we're sort of circling the 40-minute mark already. I love chatting football with you. This is the problem. I say let's do 30 yes. or 40 minutes. It's never 30 or 40 minutes. Um, right. Hopefully the uh, the listener is enjoying what we're uh, chin-wagging about here. This is massive, Jacko. First game of the season. Um, you know, uh, it's the money round. You know, it, it, it's, it's, the, mm. it's the blockbuster. Um, the box office matchup, Bills and Rams, you know, people saying it's a Super Bowl preview potentially between these teams. There's one massive storyline though for me, Jack, that sort of transcends all that. And that is that we're getting another installment in the battle between two head coaches who are both Sean McSomething. Um, and that's Sean McDermott and Sean McVeigh, both hired by their respective teams in 2017. Both have led resurgences of their clubs. So are you as excited as I am about the battle between the Sean Mooks? Oh, the, the Sean Mooks. My favorite <laughs> lead with the big storyline. Yeah, that, that's the only storyline in where I'm concerned. Uh, I, yeah, no, this, this is just going to be a, a, a mouthwatering matchup but i i have a question for you jake please why mm -hmm. why are the bills favored by a field goal in this game mm -hmm. they're they're facing the super bowl the reigning super bowl champions where in la <laughs> how are they favored by a field goal i don't understand. you can still tip them to win right you can still go oh, i think the yeah. bills are going to get the win here but i don't understand why the betting market is looking this looking at this where traditionally, when it's a bit of a toss-up, you go the home team. That's kind of how that, at least in my experience of seeing how the odds kind of go back and mm. forth. When it's a bit of a toss-up, you always give an edge to the home team. I don't know what is. The Bills are great. I think they're really going to be good this season. They mm. might even make the Super Bowl. Like the Bills seem to be the Super Bowl favorite for a lot of people, and I can see mm. it. But in this specific game. Week one, in this specific scenario, no matter how well they go. In fact, I think the Bills will have a better record than the Rams this season. I do. I don't think the Rams are actually gonna um, gonna repeat. But in this situation, I don't see how the Bills are favoured. Do Do you see it? Can you see through the mist of media hype and see the golden nugget of how this has come to be? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, yeah, I really don't. I, I, I was fascinated by that. I, I looked at that number as well. So it's currently the Bills two and a half, um, you know, on the, the, the old spread, um, the, the, the betting line. Um, I was bemused by that because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in that same camp of like, why? What is this? And, you know, 
there's not a lot of recent history between these two teams because you know there's not like they're not playing each other every year they're, they're not divisional opponents they're not even conference opponents you know it's an inter-conference mm. game or an intra whatever it is um a cross-conference game um <laughs> the last time these two teams played was back in 2020 september 2020 the bills won 35 32 uh back in the Jar- the last jared goff season in la josh allen went 24 33 for 311 yards four touchdowns and an interception um didn't do a lot on the ground did get a touchdown but just four carries for eight yards on that day i look i'm i'm bemused as well Uh, i'm also bemused that um in terms of the 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 betting markets the under has now been suspended at 52 and a half they're taking no more money on the under um Mm -hmm. now I don't know about you, 52 and a half points. Uh, I, I get it, I suppose. It's early season. The Bills ostensibly improved maybe on defense. The Rams are a good defense. Maybe I understand it, but I don't know. It's indoors as well. This this could be a track. I think it's the Josh Allen factor. I'll say that. Yeah. I think Josh Allen is really, really hard to stop. I think he's really hard to stop. And... and I also wonder, and maybe this pivots a little bit into a point I had, um, does do, do Vegas and those devious people um, at mm. sports boogies know something about Matt Stafford's lingering elbow pain that we don't? Now, I'll read to you here the quotes from Sean McVeigh <laughs> from an article on the 4th of September. Um, uh, where are we? No hesitation. McVeigh said he was asked if he trusts Stafford to throw more than 50 passes to win a single game. No hesitation, right? Um, easy to ask if you don't think he's ever going to have to throw 50 passes. Um, now, <laughs> they go on to say later in the article, um, McVeigh says, or said at the time, I think any time that you've played as long and are as tough as he is, I don't know if you're ever really truly pain-free. But the goal would be for September 8th and really looking towards 17 games, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, you're saying, oh, no, we're confident. You know, he's going to be pain-free. But, you know, everyone plays a little injured, a little sore. So is there pain or is there no pain? Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're, saying, we're saying, nah, there's not, nothing to worry about. But everyone does play sore. Um, I don't know. I don't yeah, trust Sean McVay at all. I don't know how much water that holds. I don't know how much water that holds for week one. Like, that mm. definitely has truth in the second half of the season. You can say you've recovered from some injury and you're coming into, you know, the playoffs or whatever, but ultimately, yeah, everyone's kind of banged up at that time of the year, right? Even if you have no injuries, you've just gone through, you know, half a season of being smashed by professional football players. But in week one, the expectation is to be fully fresh and fit. It's, It's the most fit, and most healthy you're ever going to be, right? Should ideally be coming into week one. So I don't know how much that idea, how much value that really has um, or how true it is that oh, everyone's, you know, everyone has a little bit, a little bit of pain here and there. I don't know how true that is. Um, you know, th- there's a reason why no one will take Matthew Stafford in a trade in my fantasy league. And it's because of this lingering, uh, lingering injury. Um, 
so yeah it, jack's trying to sell all one. the matthew stafford stock <laughs> yeah well hey i also don't mind keeping him in case mcveigh is absolutely correct and he ends up being fine um but yeah people seem to be very afraid of this this elbow injury um which is kind of it's a little bit irrational in that there actually is no evidence that it is going to be an issue like we've seen him throw the ball yeah. he looks fine the, the only thing I guess you could look back on is not just general football lies and how people kind of fib a bit about injuries, but also McVeigh's history with, you know, saying players are okay to go. And then that's what I'm having flashbacks okay back to, to. Todd Gurley. He's fine. Yes. He's totally fine. Next year he's gone and he's barely, you know, I think he's out of the league now. Like, don't yeah. lie. Like Sean. Yeah. Sean McVeigh is a guy, you know, different coaches. You, 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 have more trust or less trust toward their word about injuries. Sean McVay, I do not trust when it comes to injuries. And and I think it's all right to say, you know what, right now, if hey, if the season started tomorrow, which it almost does, McVay, um, I'd trust him to throw 50 passes tomorrow. Okay, cool. Will you trust him to throw 50 passes to win a game in week 17 after a full season of throwing 25 to 35 passes a game mm. and again in training? It's the wear and tear that I'm... I have questions about like the injury was described. Wasn't it as abnormal or something or unusual mm. for, for a quarterback? Um, I was trying to find the exact wording. Yeah. Abnormal for a quarterback. Okay. So, so yeah. what's the wear and tear factor, but in this game, Jacko, as we talk about like previewing who wins, who loses uh, and I agree with you. I don't really un- quite understand why the Bills are favoured on the road to the reigning Super Bowl champs. But whatever. They're they're not vast favourites. Like, it's, you know, it's relatively close. Um, Do you think that the Bills have fixed this defence? They drafted Kair Elam, cornerback out of Florida. They grabbed Von Miller. This is the Von Miller revenge game. Have they fixed what they saw as the problem against the Kansas City Chiefs? Possibly. I mean, I guess what what um, is a good thing for the Bills is that there's not much to fix. Like, their defense was incredible last season. Like, in some categories, was was the best in the league. Um, so even if they don't really make any improvements, you would kind of take that with the kind of offense they have. Um, I think not having Tredavious White for the first month, I think he's not meant to return for the for another three or four weeks. That's going to really hurt because they're he, he's like their number one guy um, when it comes to that uh, to stopping the pass game. Mm. Um, so I think that I don't know if they've improved the defense, but like I said, I don't know if they really have to improve. I think even if they just have a similar year or even re- regress a little bit. As long as they improve on offense, which I think Josh Allen will with every passing year, um, shouldn't be much of an issue. For me, um, and this might transition us into sort of our, our picks, uh, I think what really doesn't work well in, in favor of the Bills is the fact that last year, uh, Colin Coward made a, a good um, analogy with the Bills last year that they were a bit like Mike Tyson in that he was just laying knockout blow after knockout blow and just dominating guys. Right. And that's what the Buffalo bills were doing last year. They were just, 
they were making the mediocre look like trash, right? Mm. And they were making the trash look like even trashier trash. You know, I'm a very intellectual man, so I'll say trashier <laughs> trash. So, uh, and, and that's what made them so fun to watch. But I think they played in six one-score games last season, lost every single one, including wow. games against the Steelers and the Jags, right? So yeah. six one-score games, they lost every single one of them. Whereas the Rams, I think, have a pretty good record of like seven and two or something like that in one-score games. So have proved to win those close games. So I think everyone, no matter who you're picking, right, whether you think the Bills are going to win, whether you think the Rams are going to win, no one's picking a blowout, right? Mm. Everyone's picking like, oh, this is a bit of a toss-up. You know, who knows who's going to win? That, to me, proves that the Rams win if you're going, if you if you trust those stats. If you think it's going to be close, you have to give it to the Rams just based on form that the Bills don't know what to do in these close games. You could even you go back to that Kansas City game leading with 13 seconds left on the clock and still couldn't close it. And I think that really, to me, that's the biggest stat of them all. I really think that, yeah, that, that spells real trouble for the bills. No, I, I really, I think you've made a really, really good point. Um, this team had some really inexplicable losses uh, last year, you know, getting thumped by the Indianapolis Colts at home, 41, 15. They lost, mm. you know, like you said, the loss to the Jags, nine to six to the Urban Meyer mess that was the Jags. Losing to the Steelers, 23 to 16 at home. You know, that's another mm. sort of thing. You know, they lost to the Steelers at home, lost to the Jags on the road. They lost to the Colts at home. They lost to New England at home. Now, they rectified that ultimately against New England, um, you know, in the last two matchups of the season against them. But... You know, something you you were sort of touching on there or, or getting close to touching on there was about the idea, you know, of them losing close games and, and, and have they worked that out. What was the defense doing against Kansas City? Why did they play the type of defense they did? I, I You do start to wonder... Is the call coming from inside the house? Like, we got to well, let's go draft mm. a cornerback out of Florida. You know, let's go and get Von Miller. We we need to shore up the defensive personnel. The defense wasn't that bad last year. Like they gave up what twenty plus points on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in the regular season. So seven mm. of seventeen games. The other ten they were keeping teams below twenty. Um, I do think you'd want to see an improvement in that situational football um, because otherwise people might start losing their jobs. Um, you, yeah. you have to, yeah. This team is too stacked now to find itself losing those games against the Chiefs. You shouldn't let... The Chiefs shouldn't have been able to score. In the in that mm. thirteen seconds, that was that was absurd. Um, that they they allowed the Kansas City Chiefs to go the distance that they needed to go in that amount of time and take the touchdown. And there was some poor management on the, you know, from from a, um, you know, a strategic 
point of view. So you you do hope that all that's been sorted out. I'm sure no one is more eager to sort it out than them. Let's get to our picks. I'm assuming um, from a sicko deviant point of view, you'd be looking at, hey, regardless of who you think is going to win, like the Rams plus two and a half is it's, it's pretty good. Like you can you can hedge a little bit and have them lose by one two points um, and and still still get your pick right. Where, where are you going? You just outright. Let's just pick outright. No sicko lines, just outright. Bills or Rams? Yeah. Who is who are you on? I'm going Rams. Yeah. I think I think the Rams just have less I think they have a little less uncertainty compared to the Bills. Um and I also think that the like I said, the Rams are just better in these clutch games, these clutch moments. Um another little interesting nugget, not that we need to spend too much time on it. Both teams coming into the season with new offensive coordinators. Kevin O'Connell has left for the Vikings um, and Brian Dayball has left for the Giants. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, we, we think of these teams as two offensive powerhouses and I don't think that's really going to change because their, um, their offensive rosters haven't really changed. You've got two guys who, with different play calls now and a different system, a different way of doing things. So that'll just be a, a different uh, little side watch when we're watching this game is to go, yeah, It'll be interesting to see if we just basically see the same stuff, or if these guys, these new guys, come in with a bit of, bit of a different flavor, and if that will have a positive or a negative effect on effect on that team. All right, uh, not just for dramatic purposes, but because I was going this way anyway. Uh, I think the Bills come out and make a statement on the road. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying it's necessarily like a thrashing, but I think the Bills come out and we go, holy shit, this is a death machine. I think they are pissed about last year. I think they are pissed about the coin toss and how they lost to Kansas City and everything surrounding them. I I think few teams have put in as long nights over this offseason trying to correct what went wrong um, than the Buffalo Bills. I think they come out, I think they're a meaner, nastier team um, who are coming for their pound of flesh um, this year, I think they want to prove it early that we are a different team. We're going to go into the reigning Super Bowl champs and ruin their banner raising. Um, so mm. I, I, I don't know how it would like what the score will be, whether it'll be close. In some ways, I think that'd even be better if it's close. If they emerge with a you know a, an end of game touchdown drive or something from Josh Allen. Um, that might prove it to us even more if they beat the Rams when the Rams are at their best. I'm going to pick the Bills. Interesting. I think, regardless, I think this is going to be a, a hell of a season opener. This is just going yeah. to be so many storylines. You know, two you know underrated defenses in not so much in terms of stats, but in terms of um, perception. Right, people don't really talk about them, but good defenses talked about the offense um the league has picked a perfect game to to start this this wonderful season absolutely and this has been a nice way to start our coverage of the season look at the fucking transition there um oh, <laughs> Make sure you go and check out if you haven't already all of our division previews we did 20 to 25 minutes on the 
AFC North, South, East, and West. We did 20 to 25 minutes, the NFC North, South, East, and West. Um, but follow along, Jack and myself, <laughs> not Jack and myself, Jack and myself, um, as we <laughs> cover the, <laughs> the NFL. That's right. That's for the OnlyFans. Uh, just two fifty a month on on OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> make sure you follow along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us that five star rating. Uh, rating. We want it. We want that five star rating. Uh, follow us on Twitter, etc. You can check out our written work on a footballworld.com. Until next time, guys. You've been great. We've been reasonable. It's the JBSE. Thanks for listening.